Good morning. It is the brave, the few, who ventured out to conquer two inches of snow. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I'm going to embarrass Matthew here, but he, I, I said, how are the roads out there? And he said, oh, the main ones are fine, but the back one, what's the word you use before you go downstairs? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to say. They're ugly. I'm like, what do you mean ugly? Like Twelve inches of snow is ugly. Two inches is pretty. <laughs> There's a big difference. Anyway, um, <laughs> glad you could make it out this morning. Um, we're we're kind of looking ahead at 2019, so you guys get the, the insider preview of uh, what God has for us in the new year. Everyone else will have to catch up with us along the way. Um, but we, we have been starting the year by looking back and looking forward uh, as a church. We try to do this every year. The way that we start uh, the year together as a, as a community, last week we uh, looked at our Ebenezers, uh, which are stones of remembrance, and we went and, and just looked back at moments where God led us into a greater dependency on Him, a greater understanding of what He's like. And we told stories of how he grew us in that dependency and the ways that he was faithful to us. And last Sunday marked eight years together uh, as a church and God's faithfulness to us. And, and so we have a lot to be thankful for. Um, because if, if not many of you were around when we first started, but we have no business being here, to be honest with you. Um, the, the way that we began and, and the story that we came out of uh, was just one of incredible brokenness. So the fact that we're here eight years later is just a testimony to God's grace. Amen? Um, so today, we're going to look forward. We're going to look ahead, and we're going to ask the question, what did, what, God, what do you have in store for us as a church? That's going to be the main question that we look at today. But we can't answer where are we going unless we answer the question, who are we? And we have to look at that question. Who are we as a church? What is our uh, identity as, as the family of God? Where and where does that come from? Well, when we began eight years ago, that uh, identity of who we are really came out of Jesus' teaching in John 15. Uh, and, and so let me read that for us. It's just John 15, verses 4 and 5, where Jesus says to his disciples, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So when we started this church, it was this idea that our lives really only have lasting value, lasting purpose, lasting security, lasting significance in relationship to Jesus. That as we come to know Him, as we experience His saving work for us, we come into his family, that, that, that there is a, a radical change that happens in our life. And that's not just a one-time prayer that you pray when you're 13 years old and then you kind of you know, live your life uh, according to your own power and according to your own identity from that point on. No, everything changes. And Jesus said, if, if, if you want to live lives of great fruit, then you need to have your roots connected to me. And not just in a one-time fashion, but you, you need to, to figure out and, and understand and come to me 
for for what it looks like to to have my words be who you are. That, that you live your life according to who I say you are, not according to who your family says you are, not according to who the world says you are, not even according to who you say you are, but who I say you are. That we have a new identity in Him. That we are His family, we're His kids, we're, we're Jesus' disciples who live according to His words of life. That we're His missionaries that are sent out into the world. That we have a new identity and we live according to that identity. And then at the same time, that we live according to not what we do for ourselves or what other people have done to us, but the, 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 the power source of our life comes from what Jesus has done for us. That through His life, through His death, through His resurrection from the dead, through His sending of the Spirit who comes and lives in our hearts, that that's now the reality by which we live. That is now our power source for living. And so we talk about those things often, our gospel identity and our gospel power. And if we live according to those two things, Jesus' promise to us is that we'll live lives of great fruit. And, and you know that you're living a life of great fruit because you're, the fruit that comes out of your life is connected to the vine that you're attached to. And so if, if, if you're... You, you know what your deepest roots are sinking into because you're reproducing what the vine has in it. So, so I mean, look at the world and, and what it's reproducing. And you know they're not connected to Jesus. If they're not reproducing what Jesus has, the life that He lived, a life of, of, of holiness and gratitude to God and generosity to others, a life who laid His life down for the sake of others in love sacrificial love. That's how we know that we're attached to Him. And Jesus says, if we're abiding, if we're remaining in the vine, then it's going to change us. But here's the, it won't just change us, it'll change the world around us too. It'll change the neighborhoods that we live, it'll change the people that we work with, it'll change the, 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 the fellow students that we go to school with. And, and that was the whole idea behind our church, is that we would be rooted in Christ and that we would see His fruit, Jesus' fruit, show up on our tree. And, and that whole idea was kind of in line with uh, this idea of the garden state. The, the fact that at one point in time, New Jersey was called the garden state because why? Because it was literally just full of fields and farms and orchards that produced abundance for the the cities and the states around it. And people just, they looked at New Jersey and like, man, we are so blessed because New Jersey's there because of what it provides to us. Now, that reputation is no longer. <laughs> I'm not saying New Jersey doesn't produce anything. I get it. Cranberries, blueberries, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reputation that it's a place of abundance that blesses everything around it is no longer there. And that reputation is, is no longer there for the church either. And when most people think about the church, they don't think of an abundant community that, where they're just glad that they're there, even if they don't believe what we believe, because we live like Jesus. It's not there. And so when we, when we started our church, we said, what would it look like for that reputation to be there? Not because we're good people, but because we're connected to a good source. So that, that, that took place in terms of our, our, our mission statement, which was to, 
and is, it's been the same since we began, to plant communities rooted in Christ that produce fruit for the good of the garden state. Rooted in Jesus, producing fruit. Multiple communities that live and breathe among people in everyday life for the good of the garden state. Just like Jesus laid down his life for our good. Now, if we're going to live out that calling, that's way bigger than we're capable of doing, right? Every time I read that, I think to myself, what were we thinking? Because <laughs> every time I read it, I go, that's too much for me. Like, that, that's beyond my, the time that I have to give to it. That's beyond my capacity. It's beyond my skill level. It's beyond my experience, and it certainly was when we began. And that's the point. God always calls us into something that's greater than what we can do because he doesn't want us to grow in our own strength. He wants us to grow in our dependency on him. If you remember, 2018 was a theme of dependency. That God wanted to grow in us or recapture for us this idea that we are completely and fully dependent on him for absolutely everything. And, and last week, we, we talked about many of the ways that God uh, did that work in us. And sometimes it was painful, and sometimes it was life-producing. But, but all of it has been to bring us to the place where we could produce fruit. I just want to encourage you, family. Um, over the last eight years, and especially over this past year, I, I've seen countless evidences of... His, of our dependency producing fruit in you. Of this mission that we started out eight years ago becoming a reality. I just want to encourage you with that. That I, I, I've observed you loving one another like a family. I, I've seen several ways in each of your lives of you taking steps of faith with Jesus as his disciples and saying, I want to follow him and I want to grow as a disciple. I've seen a number of us learn to be bold in many ways and to start uh, welcoming people into our homes and into our lives, to start engaging them, uh, engaging people that don't yet know Jesus as his missionaries. And so I just I want to express my thankfulness to you for what God has done in us as a church, what he's done in you over the last eight years. It, as I was thinking about that this week, the Hebrews 13:7 came to mind, where the author says, "Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account." Now, I don't know if you know this, but I'm I'm going to have to give an account someday for your maturity in Christ, and whether or not I, I cared for you, and whether or not I challenged you, and whether or not you you grew up, I'm going to have to give an account for you. And that, that sobers me, even as I read it now. I'm thinking, like, that's a, that's a big deal. But he goes on to say, Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. And I, I just want to say, because I don't say it often enough, that by and large, there have been difficult seasons, there have been difficult people, there have been difficult circumstances, um, but when I think back on the whole, and especially when I think of this last year together, you made my work a joy. 
You made my work a joy, and I'm, I'm so thankful for your faithfulness to us as a church, for your commitment to living out our mission. I'm just incredibly blessed to be part of this family. So be encouraged. There's good things. But I also want to challenge you. And as I, I think about this year and as I was praying for this year, um, I've been praying for this year for quite some time, uh, at least three months now, if not six. And as I was praying for this year and thinking about what, what does God have for us, where does he want us to go, why have we been dependent on him, and what does that lead to next? Uh, the theme of pursuit kept coming to me, that we would be a people who have been dependent, continue to be dependent. Like It's not like, oh, now we leave that behind in the rearview mirror, you know, and we're on to something new. No, like <laughs> it, we still have to remain in Jesus and, 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 and be completely dependent on him. But for what purpose? And I believe that purpose is for us to passionately follow him into what God has for us. Uh, as I was thinking about this uh, idea there's a story that I've read several times, but it kind of came back to me this week. Um, and that's a story that happens in Joshua 22. I, I want to go through that with you. Um, if you know anything about Israel's history as a nation, uh, they, they lived in the land of Israel, and then uh, through Joseph and, and how God raised him up in the nation of Egypt, uh, eventually the, the nation ended up growing as a nation of slaves in a foreign land of Egypt. And then God rescued them and brought them out uh, over the course of 40 years, one generation, and then the next he brought them to the, the, the land that there was, was theirs originally, that God had promised to Abraham uh, and, and to, to Isaac and to Jacob. And he brought them back to this land. And uh, they got back there and they got to the Jordan River to, to go and take back that land. Um, and uh, it wasn't empty. <laughs> Lo and behold, there, there, people had moved in in the meantime. And uh, it was full of people, actually, who had built cities and who had done all these things while Israel was in slavery. And God called them to go and take back the land from those people. And so they went city to city, region by region, and they took back the land and they overthrew the cities. And eventually, by the, the end of the book of Joshua, because Joshua was leading the nation at that point, leading them into battle... They, they gain victory. Now, but before this all happened, though, before they crossed over the river into this land to start this war campaign, there were three tribes that, asked, that came to Moses, three out of the twelve, and they said, hey, would it be okay with you if we remain on the other side of the river? So we're all going to war, but, you know... We've got a lot of cattle. We've got a lot of stuff. We have a lot of people. Can, can we set up camp on the eastern side of the river? And Moses gave them permission to do that. Um, and they still sent their warriors into battle. They, they committed to fighting alongside their brothers and sisters to take back the land. But all that happened. And then after the war was over, they went back and they started to live on the eastern side of the Jordan River. They were called the Transjordan tribes, three out of the twelve. Now, you think maybe, you know, they're going to continue to live over there, but in Joshua 22, 
Joshua, the leader of the nation, he goes over to these tribes and he has a talk with them. And and this is what he says to them. Joshua 22, verses 3 to 8. For a long time now, to this very day, you have not deserted your fellow Israelites, but have carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you. Now that the Lord your God has given them rest as he promised, return to your homes in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But be very careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. To love the Lord your God. To walk in obedience to Him. To keep His commands. To hold fast to Him. And to serve Him with your heart and with all your soul. Then Joshua blessed them and sent them away, saying, Return to your homes with your great wealth with large herds of livestock, with silver, gold, bronze, and iron, and a great quantity of clothing, and divide the plunder from your enemies with your fellow Israelites. Joshua isn't okay with them living on the other side. And so he goes to his brothers and sisters, and he he challenges them. He calls them to some things. And and it felt appropriate for for us to, to kind of look at this same passage because I feel like God is calling us uh, and challenging us with some of the same things that Joshua challenged uh, his brothers and sisters with. And the very first thing that you'll notice is that Joshua calls them to the real mission. Do you notice that? Because here's the thing. They just fought a war. And, and now the war is over and they're seeing that they've... That, the battle's won, the, the cities are theirs, the, 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 the nation has been turned over to them, and, and there's rest. And it would be so easy for them to go, you know what, the war is over, victory is ours, God is here, let's take it easy. <laughs> like We've been wandering through the desert for 40 years, we've been at war for I don't know how long, and, and, and now it's our time to sit back and reap the rewards of all the work that we've done. And Joshua goes to them and says, yeah, God has given us rest. But he doesn't stop there. He says, be careful to keep the commands and the laws. He says, love the Lord your God. Walk in obedience to him. Keep his commands. And oh, by the way, hold fast. My ESV version of the Bible says, cling to him. Cling to him and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. In other words, what he's saying is don't be complacent. God has given us security, yes, but he's given us security so that the real war can start. It's not going to be a physical war, but it's going to be a spiritual one over the hearts and the minds of people. See, if if you know anything about Israel, Israel was to be a nation of priests that show the world what God is like. They were supposed to lead the world in worship of God and and call other people to come and experience and taste and see the goodness of God. They're supposed to be a a people that cared for the poor and welcomed the outcast and proclaimed the good news of Yahweh as being the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Joshua goes to these people and he says, that war starts today. That war starts now. I, I think... When I think about our church in the same way, God has provided for us. He's been faithful to us. 
if you weren't around last week, uh, what we said is, you know, we started out 2018 not knowing how much financial security we really had to work with. And God exceeded our expectations and he gave abundantly more than we could have hoped for. We, we ended the year with like a $9,000 surplus. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you to God for his grace to us. In 2018, we paid off the last $18,000 of our mortgage. We're entering this year debt-free. 100% debt-free. So we, we have more to work with now for ministry than we've ever had before as a percentage of our budget. But we've not been given these things for our own sake alone. We've been given security. We've been given uh, the freedom in 2019 to free us up to pursue Jesus and make disciples. The real work begins, if it hasn't already. The real mission can, can take place and in many ways, this is a, a harder battle because, it's again, it's a battle over people's hearts. And it's a mission that happens both here in our facilities and, our, and but also in our homes and our neighborhoods. And it's a mission that's all hands on deck because we're the body of Christ and every part is needed to do that work. So I, I'm going to ask you three questions for you to consider. And the first one is this. When you think about 2019, I want you to ask the Spirit, what, in what ways is God calling me to join Him in His mission this year? In what ways, God, are you calling me to join you in your mission this year? You know, several things come to mind as possibilities within our church. One might be joining a Cultivate Community group. Maybe you haven't been part of one or maybe you've been part of one in the past, but you're, you haven't been for some time. Maybe that's a step that you need to take this year. Maybe, maybe it's going from just being an attender to being a participant in what God's doing here in our facility. Maybe it's going to a community group leader and saying, how can I help enable this community to fulfill its identity as a family of disciples on mission? Maybe it's investing in our children through Cultivate Kids. These are so important. I hope you realize this. Like even this morning, worldviews are being shaped. Lives are being changed. The direction of our children's course in life is being set as we speak. Have you? When's the last time you've prayed? Not just for you to volunteer to, to fill some, some cups with, with goldfish, but to, but to spend time with our children and pray for them as you do it. Maybe you think, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Great. None of the people down there knew what they were doing when they started either. <laughs> but in faith, they said yes. And as a result of saying yes, their hearts grew for our children. And I know many of them and many of you pray, continue to pray for them throughout your week because you, you want desperately for God to grow them in the grace and knowledge of God and to use them for His glory. Maybe it's, you know, as we turn the page and going from 
uh, one community to another in Haiti, one being way up the mountain, and, and the new community that we're in being kind of in the foothills. Maybe God's calling you to participate in that. Maybe it's in our food pantry. Maybe it's in our community garden. Maybe it's just inviting someone to meet with you and talk about Jesus. Maybe a coworker or a neighbor. I don't know what it is, but the Spirit does. So ask Him. How are you calling me to, to join you, Jesus, in what you're doing? Now, the truth is, just like these Transjordan tribes, there's probably something that's standing in the way of you making that commitment. There's an obstacle there that's keeping you from saying yes because it's kept you up until this point from saying yes. And that's why Joshua, he doesn't just call them to the real mission. He calls them to leave behind what's hindering them. He says, you you can't do this from the other side of the river. And so he says in verse 4, Return to your homes in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the river. Come live with us. We have a place for you. There's opportunities for you. But in order for you to take hold of them, you're going to have to cross this river and not live on the other side of it anymore. See, as a good leader, Joshua understands that if they remain on the other side of the river, eventually they're going to forget who they are. They're going to part ways with the rest of the community if they don't deal with that obstacle. They're going to be led astray to worship other gods. They're probably going to be destroyed by bigger foreign armies. They're going to grow distant from the rest of the nation. And so Joshua comes to them and says, leave the river behind you. Don't let it stand in the way of, of what God is doing between us. Don't let it stand between you and Him. And this, this is the second question. What's your river? What is the obstacle to pursuing Jesus that God is calling you to leave behind this year? What is the thing that leads you to say, you know, I would take a next step with Jesus. I would participate deeper as God's church, but whatever's on the other side of that but is the thing that needs to be thrown off. For some of us, it could be family expectations. I realize that a lot of us have a a lot of biological family in the area, and they have expectations over your time and your priorities. And you've just kind of allowed them to dominate your schedule and dominate your priorities and dominate what you do as a family. And maybe you need to have a conversation with them and say, I, I need to follow Jesus this year. He needs to set my calendar. Maybe for many of us it's debt. You think what it means to participate deeper with Jesus is that I would... Be more generous with my church and, and free up uh, money in my budget to be able to have people over for dinner or, or provide for people in need, but I can't because I'm in debt. I need to figure out how to get out. Maybe it's a sinful behavior that you and only you know. But it causes you to walk in shame rather than the freedom of God's grace.
Maybe it's the fear of change. And you're just so weighed down by, by the fear that things might shift or might change and you just don't want to embrace something new. Because this side of the river is safer. Maybe it's some kind of, not, not sinful activity, but just a time-consuming activity. Maybe you say, I would, I'd love to spend more time in my Bible. I'd love to spend more time with my neighbors. I'd love to join a community group. And you, you look at your calendar, you think, there's no way I could possibly fit it in, but you watch Netflix for two hours every night. It's the reality. What's the obstacle? What's the thing that's standing in your way? What's the thing that you said, if I were on the other side of that river, I'd be able to follow Jesus, but... We have a new Joshua that's calling us to, 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 to new life, and he's serious about the things that stand in our way. He says, if, you, if your hand causes you to stumble, what are you supposed to do with it? Go one-handed. <laughs> if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. Get rid of it. Whatever is keeping you from Jesus, take it out. Take it down, strip it away, walk it back, and get the help that you need to do it. When I think about American Christianity... I'm not even sure the two terms go together. But when I think about it, I, I, I think of a community of people that, that make far too many excuses for their, for their disobedience. Family, let us not be that kind of a church, please. Let us take stock of the things that are holding us back and let's agree with God with the help of the Spirit and with the help of a community, throw those things off. If God's bringing conviction over an area or, or, or if He does, would you please just write it down, whatever that is, and would you, and would you tell someone else and ask them to pray for you and hold you accountable this year. Because if, if you don't write it down, if you don't tell somebody else, then chances are you're not going to deal with it. We're a family. We've been given to one another for the sake of helping each other grow up into maturity in Christ. That's why we're here. The Bible says confess your sins to one another. We're not good at doing that. So let's grow. Last thing he says, he calls them to a new mission. He calls them to leave behind the things that's hindering them. And then the last thing is that he calls them to hold nothing back. He calls them to bring everything. Um, It would be so easy for these three tribes to kind of band together after having this conversation with Joshua and say, you know what? We've got homes over there. We're going to go over there, but let's, let's like keep a backup plan just in case. You know? Let, let's, we've got land over here. We've got resources. Let's, let's keep some on this side of the river too. Just in case, right? And Joshua 
anticipating that they might think this way after he's gone, says to them, return to your homes with what? With your great wealth. And divide the plunder from your enemies with your fellow Israelites. I mean, if that's not laying down the gauntlet, I don't know what is, right? (laughs) Because he's going to him and saying, look, when you come, when you cross, when you join us, Cling to, to God with your whole heart. Don't live with one foot in the past and one put, foot in the present. Both feet over the river. Come with us. But then secondly, when you come, don't leave anything on the other side of the river. Bring everything you've got. Bring all your wealth. and, and Say to, to God and say to your family, everything that I have belongs to you. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whoever you want me to invest in, I'll do it. Whatever you've given me, God, I give back to you. However you want to use it, it's all yours, Lord. Here I am. Send me. These questions aren't getting any easier, are they? But this is the third one. What resource has God given me that he's calling me to use as I pursue him? What resource has God given me that he's calling me to use as I pursue him? What is the, what's my great wealth? Now, maybe you're thinking, I don't have great wealth. Okay, well, you have something. God has been gracious to us, as I've said. He's been gracious to you. Here's another way to think of it, because this is probably, this is like the reverse way. What has Jesus given me that I'm clinging to more than I'm clinging to him? That's a harder way to put it, isn't it? What resources has he given me to, to, to use as I pursue him? And am I clinging to whatever that thing is more than I'm clinging to him? Maybe that resource is your home and God's calling you to open it up this year. Maybe it's your money. God's calling you to think of it in, in light of his kingdom work and not just in light of your priorities. Maybe it's your time. The most precious commodity that we have. As I was praying about uh, this for myself, um, a couple things came to mind. One, one was uh, that Mandy and I were talking about was just in terms of our giving. We try to give proportionally and we try to give faithfully and we give generously to our church family, but it's been several years since we've increased that amount. And one of the things that I was noticing as we had this conversation is that um, we've been faithful to give what we've been faithful to give, but it's stopped feeling like a sacrifice to give it. It's not pinching us in the way that it used to when we first set the amount. We're like, ooh, really? (laughs) Really? And then God was faithful to provide. But now it's been several years and we're thinking, maybe we have to, like, if God calls us to sacrificial loving him as he loves us, then we need to not just, not, not just do what we've always done, but to say to everything, what needs to change in light of how we're pursuing you? So that was one area. The, the other area was as I was thinking about my time and the way that I often spend it, um, that I, I use a lot of my time to accomplish the things that God 
uh, has for me to accomplish, right? I mean, that's what, that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, but here's the thing. I, I often build to-do lists of things that I have to do in my own strength rather than build prayer lists that I can't do but I can only ask for, <laughs> right? There's a big difference. And um, as I was praying about this and just what resource God has given me, I think he's given me a particular morning this year. I'm going to devote Wednesday mornings to this where I just cling to Jesus in prayer and I ask him for things that are, are foolish to ask for because they're completely outside of my ability to ask for them. And so I'm, I'm going to ask him for some big stuff that I, I just can't do. And I'm going uh, to pray for you by name as part of my commitment that God would bless you and that he would grow you. And, and so if, if you have things that you wanna, want me to pray for on Wednesday mornings, that, I'm going to use that time to pray for you too. You can let me know what those are. Joshua calls them to cross the river because God's mission for them requires their whole lives. It's an all-in or all-nothing thing. And in the same way, when I think about the plans that he has for us this year, it's, it's going to be impossible to see those, that fruit happen if we're only partway in. We bring our great wealth and we cling to Jesus. I, I, I want all, for all of us to be able to say at the end of this year, here are the ways that I was clinging to Jesus this year. Here's the, here's the fruit that he produced in me and in my family and in my community group and in our church. If you keep reading, you'll see that these three tribes uh, do return. They actually get a very hostile welcome from the rest of their brothers and sisters, which is interesting. You can read that on your own. That's a sermon for another time. Um, but they go and they say to their brothers and sisters, look, we're all in. And they dedicate themselves to pursuing God together. And, and this final act kind of seals the deal on moving their nation into the next phase of what God had for it. And so when I, when I think about 2019, much like Israel, I think God is moving us into a new phase. And I'm sensing that this year is going to be, uh, there are going to be several changes ahead. Now, that might scare you. It scares me. Um, but I, I think this is where the, the Lord is leading us. So I want to, I, I just want to unpack a couple things that I think that God is leading us into. And, uh, and they're all in this vein of, of pursuit. They're kind of under this theme um, of, of us pursuing Jesus together. And, and just, just so I'm framing this in the right way, I just want to say, these are ways that we as the leaders are looking to equip you to pursue Jesus. How we're helping us to pursue him together. Because leaders don't, um, d- don't do the ministry of the church. The church does the ministry of the church. And leaders are given to equip the church in its work. So here, these are ways that we, changes I think that we're making that, uh, that we want to equip our church for the work that God has for it. The, the first thing is that uh, we we're, we're want to get, um, I don't know serious is the right word, but we want to grow in some ways in how we're pursuing Jesus personally through his word. 
Last year, if you remember, we had the Bible reading plan where we went through the entire New Testament. Some of you attempted to go through the entire Bible. Um, and that was faith-stretching in many ways. Um, this year, we're going to do something similar but different. <laughs> and uh, we're doing this because we want to we increase our ownership over our own discipleship. We want everybody to be able to say, here, here are the ways that I'm listening to God through His Word and responding to it. And so what we're going to do in 2019 is we're going to do kind of a weekly devotional and memory verse. So rather than reading through everything, which we realized was really fast-paced for a lot of people and left some people behind, this year we're going to take a slower, deeper pace at engaging with God's Word. And so uh, there are going to be 52 passages that we look at together as a church. Um, those are going to come out on Monday every week on the Realm and Facebook, I believe. Um, All of them are going to be themed to our identity in Christ. They're either going to be centered on the gospel, they're going to talk about our identity as family, as disciples, or as missionaries. And the the passages are going to, we're just going to give out the passages, we're not going to do like a whole expoundary kind of text that goes along with them, but we're just going to give out those passages to everyone throughout the week so that we're all reading the same thing, studying the same thing, asking questions over the same thing. Um, and we're, we want to encourage you to use these 52 scriptures to um, study them on your own, talk about them with your family at some point throughout the week, and uh, maybe even use them as the study material for our community groups. Um, we found in 2018 many of our community groups were kind of going in a bunch of different directions, studying different things. Um, and, and because of that, we felt like everybody was kind of heading off on different trails. This is going to provide us a backbone even for our community groups so that every week each of the community groups goes, you know what, if God doesn't put anything else on our heart, this is what we go back to. And we know that there are probably two or three other groups that are studying it alongside of us. Now within that text, which within each of those 52 passages, there's going to be one or two passages within it that we're going to highlight as a memory verse. And we're going to challenge you to commit 52 passages to memory this year. Because I've found that the the more I tuck God's Word away in my heart, the more He brings it to mind in the moments that I need it. And so I I want to challenge you with that. Put it away in your heart. and, And commit it to memory. This isn't going to be... We're not going to go at a fast pace so that we can go deeper and grow more through His Word. All right, so that's pursuing Jesus in His Word. Um, Secondly, we want to be able to grow pursuing Jesus in our Sunday gatherings. Um, We made several changes in 2018 in how we do that. One was the uh, listening prayer that we started. We're going to continue that in 2019. Um, but in t- topically in 2019, just so you know where we're going, uh, beginning next week we're going to start a series on Jesus' teaching. And a lot of 2019 is going to be focused on Jesus and what he has to say for us. And we're going to start out 2019 actually by looking at Jesus' most confusing and controversial sayings. We're calling it upside-down axioms. Um, 
It's kind of an ironic title because axiom is a self-evident truth. And these are anything but. <laughs> but once you understand them, you start to realize, wow, like there is real power in understanding what Jesus is telling us as a community. So we're going to look at 13 of Jesus' most hard-to-understand uh, teachings and sayings. That's where we're going to start out the year from, na- from next week until Easter. Um, now, the other thing that we're doing on Sunday gatherings uh, to help us pursue Jesus a little bit differently together, last uh, December on the 23rd, right before Christmas, we did a brunch church gathering where we kind of merged the, the secular and the sacred, we said. We're, we had a meal at the same time that we were going to sing and, and engage with uh, God's story and pray for one another um, and, and so that was kind of an experiment just to see how it went. And we feel like that went really well. And so we're going to start to do those with a, in a regular rhythm for 2019. So the first one is going to happen around Easter. Um, and we'll, we'll see about the pace of those things. I don't know if they're going to be once a quarter, if they're going to be every time we have a fifth Sunday. Uh, but we want to do this with some kind of regularity. Now, there's some reasons behind that. One of them is we, we, just, we need to get out of the mindset that this is the church. Where we sit in rows and you listen to one person and we sing a few songs and we go home. Um, the, the church for its first 300 years of existence gathered around tables, not in rows. And they, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts and they shared everything that they had. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There was something about um, sitting down to a meal together and discussing Jesus and asking him for, for crazy outlandish things that produced in Jesus doing crazy outlandish things. Um, and so we, we want to uh, press into that a little bit as, as a church. And so we're going to be doing that more. Now, that's, that's for us to grow as disciples and family. But here's the other thing. A, a meal is far easier for most people who haven't been exposed to the church to come and engage in than something like this. And so it's, it's, it's providing a, an environment where people can come and experience the good news of the gospel in ways that are a little bit more congruent with their everyday lives. And so we, we want those brunch gatherings to be high invitational times where you invite a neighbor, invite a friend, invite someone who works alongside you in one of our ministries, who doesn't attend here on Sunday morning, just say, come, because it's not going to be weird. We're, we're, we're eating a meal together, we're singing some songs, and we're talking. It's a way to grow the relationships that God already has put uh, in our lives. So I'm excited to keep doing that with you guys. I'm excited for what God's going to do through it. Amen? All right. Now the last one which is the biggest, um, is that we're pursuing Jesus in community this year. Um, Many of you know because you've talked to your community group leaders or you've talked to others um, about what we've been up to for the last three months, but I want you to be able to hear this from me. Uh, Over the last three months, we've been retraining all of our community group leaders in something that we've called a catalyst group. That word is intentional because catalyst means what? Change agent. Um, And so we've met uh, regularly in a group of uh, about 18 people, which has included all of our current community group leaders 
as well as people that have been kind of um, anticipating becoming group leaders uh, in the future. And we've said, we're going to get together as a, uh, as a group over time to start to retrain you on what it means to be a family on mission. And we've been going through that process together. It's been going um, incredibly well. And uh, the, the purpose of that experience has been to, to help us as a church to reform and relaunch the way that we live out our mission to plant communities that are rooted in Christ that produce fruit. Uh, and there's a few convictions, there's a few things that, that were, were reasons why we started this process. I just want to share some of those reasons with you. Um, the first is, if we're a family, families are intergenerational. And what, what we found with many of our groups is that they had become, um, over time, more of a gathering of people that were in a similar stage of life rather than intergenerational families. Which is good. There's a lot that we can connect over when we're in the same stage of life. But here's the thing about connecting with someone in the same stage of life. It's really easy to connect on something that's not the gospel. That isn't where Jesus doesn't actually have to be the center of what you're gathering around. And I, I think we, we miss out when we, when we aren't inclusive of people that are at different stages of life and different backgrounds and different ethnicities. That part of the wonder of what it means to be the church is that God makes a family out of natural enemies. And so I, we're pressing into that to try to create intergenerational families. The, another reason was that um, it's really hard to, to do life with people that you live on the other side of the river from. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about the Delaware River, but just, just as those Transjordan tribes had a really difficult time maintaining unity and working alongside their brothers and sisters to this mission that God had for them because they lived far apart, here's what was happening in our church. Over time... Many of our groups were formed because they were formed around stage of life. We have we have a lot of people that are traveling 20 plus minutes to get to their community, and that's great if you can sustain that pace if you're only doing it a couple times a month. But it's really hard to actually be a family of disciples if that's what's ha- if if that's the the obstacle that you have to get over in order to be among those people. And so we said, what would it look like in 2019 if we reformed our church so that people that lived close to one another did life together? And I, I love some of the reports from, you know, we did uh, Community Sunday on the 30th and had these four different gathering spots. My, here, this is my favorite comment because this is the one I heard the most. It took me like no time to get there. <laughs> Like, I, like, rolled out of bed, and suddenly I was there, you know? Like, um, I didn't realize that so many of the people that are part of our church live so close to me. And I was so excited by that comment, because it, it opens up a new possibility that, that, yeah, maybe God wants to do something through those relationships that you haven't, haven't been open to before, haven't realized that they were there for you before. Um, another reason for, for doing this Catalyst community is that we saw a need to, to, to pair up 
many of our leaders because they were experiencing burnout and drift. It just it got hard to continue to to kind of press forward with their group and to feel like they were the ones that were doing it all alone. And so we said, what if we what if we pull back and we say rather than just everybody kind of going out on their own, what if we send you out like Jesus did in pairs? Maybe we'd be more effective. Maybe we'd be more encouraged. Maybe we'd have other people to lean on and pray with for the development of these groups than we've had before. Another reason that we've been going in this direction is because, just to be honest with you, we have less people attending on Sunday morning and it's easier to make a shift. And, and we realize that if, if we relaunch less groups in 2019, we can relaunch them in healthier ways than we ever have before. I would rather have less groups that are more healthy and effective in living out their identity than just a whole bunch of groups that are just kind of doing the, the bare minimum. And so that was part of our thinking. We also, um, just so that you know, we found that many of the people that were attending on Sunday mornings were finding it very difficult to, to connect with existing groups because that group had taken on kind of a shape and a life of its own and they found it very difficult just to penetrate their way into those existing groups. And by relaunching our groups, this gives us, uh, gives us and gives them an on-ramp that they didn't have before. So I was so excited on, uh, with the Community Sunday that we had... Um, you know, all these people that, that aren't typically in our regular groups participating in those experiences together. That was really exciting to me because I thought we're enabling our church to be more of what we said we wanted to be in the first place. You, you know the biggest reason, though? <laughs> uh, it's the reason that makes the least sense, but it's the one that gives me the most confidence. Um, Back in the summer last year, I was, I was praying a lot about the direction of our church and where God had us to go. And I was praying through this idea of dependency. And I, I, I had a moment where I was just um, directionless. I was completely rudderless. And I'm, I'm praying, God, you wanted us to be dependent. You're making us dependent. You wanted us to trust you. God, I'm, I'm, I'm here trusting you. I, I want to hear from you. But I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. It's like you know, Joshua when he took over the nation. This, this task that you've entrusted to me is too great. I'm like a little child. And that's the way I felt. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do next. And... Uh, it was at that point when I prayed that prayer that God gave this vision of essentially relaunching our church into four families of intergenerational, geographically close disciples that are pressing in on what it looks like to be a family of disciples on mission. And I, over the course of the next 30 minutes, I wrote down everything that I felt like God was sharing with me into a Google document. I shared that document with Pete. I said, we need to get together. And this, 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 here's, this is how I know, this is why I have confidence um, that God is leading in this. Because I, before I met with Pete, 
I was ready for him to say, you're nuts. I was, just, I was ready for that to be the reality. And every point I was like, okay, if this is from you and I'm dependent on you, I'm just going to hold it like this. And if it's not of you, just take it away. I don't want to be part of something that's not of you. But if it is of you, God, I want it more than anything. And I shared it with Pete and he felt like, yeah, God seems to be moving in this. Let's proceed with caution, which is always his, his uh, M.O., <laughs> and uh, so then we, we took it to our ministry team it's our group of leaders and we shared it with them and they said the same thing we feel like this is of the spirit let's take the next step and so we called a group of 16 people plus Mandy and me to start this process in October and we shared this with them and they said, we're in. And we, ha- we have questions. We have, you know, we're scared in some ways, but, but we feel like God is moving and we want to be part of this. And so now I'm sharing it with you. And you may reject it. And you may say, I, I don't want to be part of that. Or I, I, I want what, what I've had before. And, and that's okay. I, w- I want to have some of those conversations with you to understand where you're coming from. And and, and please realize, as we, as we go into this, we're, we're, we're not just saying everything that was before is done and gone, and now you have to do the new thing right away. I'm not saying that. There's going to be a transition process. Um, but we've realized that there are some group leaders and groups, after we, we did this experiment on, on Community Sunday, that are ready to get out of the gate. And so we're going to let them go. They're going to be launching soon. Um, And then there are other groups that are going to take a longer period of time to make that transition into the new thing. And we're okay with both. We're not not pressing people to go faster than they're ready, but we are moving together. And so I I anticipate that by Easter, we will have um, four groups up and running in the four locations that we did on Community Sunday, that there'll be a a group that's kind of in the Merchantville, Maple Shade area, there'll be one that's in the Audubon, Mount Ephraim area, there'll be one that's closer to here in the East Cherry Hill, Marlton area, and there'll be one to the south in the Berlin Voorhees area. Um, I don't know about you, I'm so excited for what God has for us next. Um, as I've been praying for today and praying for this year, this again, this is my, my prayer list. I can't produce these things, but I'm trusting God for them. I've had three prayers. One, I've been praying that every person at Cultivate would join a community group and give themselves fully to it. One of the four that we're talking about. I've been praying, secondly, that every person at Cultivate would commit God's word to memory this year and would experience fruit as a result. And the third thing, I'm, I'm praying that every community group, as it lives its life on mission, would experience someone come to faith in Jesus through their activity, and that they would get to baptize those people. I can't do any of those things, but I trust that there's someone who can. I, I don't know if you know this, but 
we have a better leader than Joshua. I'm not talking about me. <laughs> um, Joshua, the Hebrew name, when translated into Greek, is Jesus. And he's our leader. He's the shepherd. He's the one that we follow. And I'm just going to read Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3, and then we're going to pray. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray. Father, we, we need your example, but even more than that, we need to know that we were your joy. It was for the joy of attaining us that you endured the cross. That you did what you did. And God, I pray that it would be our joy in knowing what you've done for us that would lead us to say yes to you. That would lead us to to want to move into new phases of our walk with you. Because we get to experience the one who, who rejoices over us. God, I pray that um, even now you would be removing and tearing down obstacles that keep us from you. And that you would be convicting us and moving us in new ways to give over our lives to you. Father, I, I pray again that every person here, every person that's part of our community and many who are part of our neighborhoods would experience the life of a family of disciples on mission this year. I pray that every person here and every person that's part of our family would commit God's word to memory this year and experience you speaking to them in new ways. And I pray, God, that you would use each of our communities to see the impossible happen. Lives going from death into life because they've found Jesus and they've discovered him through our families as we've followed you into our neighborhoods, into our networks of friends, into the places where we live, work, and play. Holy Spirit, would you do that work in us this year? We're dependent on you, but we will pursue Jesus. That is our commitment and our goal and our prayer in his name. Amen.